0: Right now, we're in Psalm 16, and then Acts chapter 2, where Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, and he references a portion of Psalm 16, and he references it as a prophecy of Christ's resurrection. Psalm 16, I'll pray and then make some comments and do the reading. Father, we ask that you help us this evening by your word and by your spirit, that you would deliver your word into our minds, help us to understand and to believe and to enjoy and and embrace your word humbly, and deliver your word into our hearts to encourage us, build us up, strengthen us, help us to see Christ and to rest in him. Amen. Psalm 16, you'll see in general it is a cry for help, it is a cry for life. Which would be the ultimate cry for help. Right? Life out of death or life in the face of death. It's a cry for help. But also you'll see simultaneously it's an expression of trust. It's one thing to cry to help. But to trust in the one whom you're crying to, that's the posture of faith. Psalm 16, beginning in verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after other gods will multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. That's him professing that he's not going to take part in the worship of idols, and the professing Uh, that these idols are also their gods, which is a very common thing in Israel. He's not going to do it. Verse 5, he tells us why. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I've set the Lord always before me. It's uh, an expression to tell and to try to put into words that He lives in the presence of the Lord. This is the way he lives. The Lord is his portion. The Lord is with him. The Lord is my God. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is at my right hand. He's always before me. He always goes before me. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. He's talking about his body. So first his heart is glad. His whole being rejoices. Now his body. His flesh is also secure because... You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, the place of the dead. Or let your Holy ones see corruption. You see the hope of resurrection here. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can glance and contrast the end of verse 8 with the end of verse 11. You see, while he's dwelling on earth, by faith the Lord is at his right hand. The Lord is with him. But he knows in the future he will be at the right hand of the Lord. He'll be in the presence of the Lord by sight. Psalm 16, a cry for help, an expression of trust. And it, turn to Acts chapter 2 an expression, a confession, a profession, a rejoicing that by faith God is with him. And by faith he trusts in the Lord and will not worship other gods. Acts 2, verse 22, picking up in the middle of this sermon. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs. It's referring to Jesus' earthly ministry. That God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. That's you, that's Israel and the leaders of of apostate Israel, by the hands of lawless men. It's the Romans and the Roman soldiers. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, now he references the psalm we just read, part of it. David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. And therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, resurrection hope. Verse 27, you, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch, David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, David, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn to him an oath that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. David had a resurrection hope. This psalm, particularly this portion of the psalm, but the whole thing, is also a prophecy, a prophecy of the resurrection of Christ, of course, as the source of our resurrection hope. There was a resurrection hope in the Old Testament. That hope is not fully articulated and fully formed until the New Testament, as all other doctrines, are the same way. When you see the fulfillment in Christ, in his person and his work, but there was a resurrection hope in the old testament. I like think it's you can see clearly Abraham believed in the resurrection. The Bible says that's why he was able to have the faith to sacrifice his son because he believed in the resurrection. People often wonder and I often wonder, well what was the basis of the resurrection hope that Abraham had? Because there's no explicit statement from God about that, but Abraham clearly had a resurrection hope. I think there is implicit, clear and implicit statement from God giving Abraham resurrection hope. Abraham was promised to dwell in the land as an eternal inheritance. But Abraham knows that he's not an eternal being. He knows he's going to die. So the only thing, the only way that promise would be fulfilled is resurrection. I can think, I think if I had the time and I don't tonight, I think... With the proper amount of time in Bible study, we can make a case from the Garden of Eden before the fall into sin that the tree of life promised and foreshadowed resurrection life on the basis of personal and perfect obedience. And, of course, that is the way this Bible story ends. Through Jesus' perfect and personal obedience, he attains to resurrection life, his reward for his obedience – And what salvation is, very simple, is Jesus sharing his reward with you and me. Resurrection life on the virtue of Christ's life, death, and resurrection.